Welcome back to Love and Grit. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And while we are all getting acclimated to our new normal, Love and Grit continues to bring you amazing Philly stories. Top Chef winner Nick Elmy joins us to talk food and what it's like to be nominated for another James Beard Award. Also, award-winning DJ and producer Diamond Cuts joins us to talk about the legacy of Philly DJs and hip-hop post-Rona. Speaking of DJs, how about a lightning round of your favorite Philly DJ? Rachel, you go first. I like that. I am going to say one of my many favorites includes DJ Diamond Cuts. I like her name. It's good timing. Yeah, I like her name. (laughs) I think she's gorgeous. And whether you're at a festival, a party, or an industry Mm. event, she's going to make sure you have a good time. Justin, who you got? So I'm going to actually pick a disc jockey because oh one of my best oh my one of my best friends Nicole is on 925 XDU she does afternoon drive but she's one of my best friends so I couldn't like not say somebody else but why did you have to say a this jockey? Yeah. I mean, I just was like, you know, she doesn't like that is very in the school. records. That's, yeah, they used to, you know, that's why they used to call them disc jockeys because you actually used to be able to talk and spin your records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the good old days. What do you All got, right. Laia? I'm keeping it Philly and DJ. Like, I'm going with the man who uh, gave us Jill Scott, Music Soul Child, and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm talking about Jazzy Jeff. I mean, he's the king. DJ. He's just the bomb. And still, still. All right, let's get this thing started. It seems like y'all ready. Y'all ready? Yeah. And we're ready. Okay, here we go. Well, let's start with somebody from the top. Nick Elmy is definitely one of Philly's top chefs. No, literally, he won top chef in 2014 and has been essential in growing Philly's restaurant scene. And now he's nominated for another James Beard Award. Nick, congratulations on yet another James Beard nomination. How's it feel? Pretty great. This is my first finalist, though. Oh, is it? So this uh, is a big deal. Yeah, this is my seventh nomination. It was a first time I'm actually a finalist. That's exciting. I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Whole family's excited. So it's a lot. I mean, it's obviously a lot with the you know, the way things are shaking out right now. You're a James Beard finalist yeah. with no restaurants open. It's kind of odd. It's kind of surreal right now. You know, everybody's trying to do what they can to survive themselves and every business and situation is is run differently. Uh, we haven't opened for take out or anything i didn't really see the need to we closed right away like the saturday which was i think the 14th of march me and a couple chefs came in um that monday scrubbed everything got rid of all of the food that we could get rid of donated all of the vegetables and dry goods that we could locked up all of the booze and closed up and that was it can you tell us at all about the fundraiser you have online for your staff safe philly eats kind of jumped in right away it's run by Anthony Bucci, who's, who's a friend of the industry, um, but a tech guy, and said, how can, how can I help? So he built a website and went around to all the restaurants in the city and said, what would you like to offer on this website that you can sell and you know people can buy now and, and use later? So we offered a couple dinners. Our business is fine. I say that because we're a very small business, very, very little overhead. Financially, we're pretty tight for a little while. I don't want to raise money for the business. I want to raise money for my staff. Uh, we only have 19 people on staff. A lot of them are very young. All the troubles that happened with unemployment in the beginning, we wanted to get like them a little bit extra cash. So we offered um, two different dinners and we sold out within like three days. We raised a little over $40,000 for our staff. How are you feeling about the future? I mean, you're at the top of your game. And the industry is in peril. You have three restaurants. How are you feeling now, eight weeks later? 
Our biggest problem is we don't have any answers. You know, you we can sit around and spitball all day about what we're going to do when we have to reopen and how we're going to be able to distance and how we're going to be able to do service and how we're going to be able to run restaurants. But we're not getting very many answers from our government on what they think it looks like and how rolling out opening restaurants is going to look like. You know, Laurel is already a small restaurant. We only have 22 seats. If we have to go to 50% capacity, you know, we're, we're down to 11 seats. That's, that's kind of crazy. If we have to spread tables apart, six to eight feet apart, I don't know what that does for us. Same thing with ITV. ITV is our bar next door. It's a 27-seat bar. That's the entire place. If you cut our capacity back, we're going to be a 13-seat bar. It's, it's weird. The whole thing's weird right now. On top of that, we don't know when we're going to be able to do anything when we're going to be able to open, when we're going to be able to cook, when we're going to be able to start bringing people in. I mean, we, we haven't done any takeout at any of the restaurants, but I'm at the point now where we're talking about it just because I'm kind of bored. And I've done all the yard work. We've cleaned the house a hundred times over. What would you do for takeout? Because Laurel stuff isn't takeout food. We, we're going to pivot. We're hoping that Governor Wolf is going to pass the, the, he has a bill on his desk. It's going to allow restaurants that have liquor licenses to start selling um, pre-made cocktails. ITV's bar program has been pretty spectacular. Uh, we have a lot of really great cocktails that I know that we can batch, bottle and cap ourselves and then sell like four packs of cocktails out of ITV. Rachel, we have to go on a date during Christmas time, because ITV turns into, you call it miracle, right? Miracle, yeah. It's a Christmas pop-up that we do at the bar that's pretty spectacular. The grin on my face. I know. <laughs> but like so wonderful. But during that season, during that bar season, that bar is two or three people deep oh, from yeah. December it's... 1st until December 24th. I mean, what is that? I mean, we're not going to be able to do that this year, obviously. You know, there's just a lot of what-ifs. But again, I've gotten to the point where... I feel like I don't really have control over the situation. So how much am I actually going to really continue to stress out about it? And now I'm at the point where it's kind of like, all right, kind of kick back, relax. I'm never going to have two months, three months off where I can just hang out with my family and be with my kids and be with my wife. So yeah, it's definitely strange. It's hard to wrap your brain around how long is this is going to affect us for. What are you, you know, cooking at home? I'm sorry, Rach. No, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, we always want to well. know, like, what are, <laughs> what are you making at home? And that question and whether or not the kids appreciate, I know you mentioned the family was happy and celebrating, but most households don't get these amazing meals that I'm sure that you make, you know, for your family. We're starting to get a little bit more adventurous. My wife is a wonderful cook, but I will say that we eat very, very healthy at home. A typical dinner for us is grilled chicken, grilled fish, some grilled vegetables, and maybe like a bowl of quinoa that's like simply dressed with lemon and olive oil. Like I make pasta a couple times a week. I'll make bread a couple days a week. I've been going and, you know, we're going out again today. We're going to do a little bit more foraging. We've been getting mushrooms. I want to get kind of like the last of the ramps for this year and process them and freeze them. So we have them for a while. My daughter loves cooking with me as well. She's a great baker. She loves helping me make handmade pastas. What do you think it is about the baking? I feel like everyone's making bread. Obviously, like banana bread has been blown out. But like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I look on Instagram and like so many people who don't necessarily have your skills are making bread. But then to see you making bread all the time, is there something that's like giving people some solace in that bread making? It's a great release. It's a sense of accomplishment. It's, It's a long process. It takes patience. It takes skill. People like doing it because it's something that you take for granted every day that you can walk wherever you want and pick up a piece of bread. It's a great way to appreciate a process. That's a really good point. 
One of the questions we like to ask all of our guests, you see the name of the podcast is Love and Grit. And for us that we're talking about Philadelphia and the countryside and everything that we love about our region, but we're also owning the fact that we have grit. We've been in circumstances before that we've had to overcome things. So we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. What does love and grit mean to you? I love the the blue collar determination of Philadelphia. I love the idea that like, no matter how good I get at my craft, if I make a little tiny mistake and someone's in the dining room and catches it, they're going to tell me about it. You know what I mean? Like they're very forward. <laughs> it, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you competitive. It keeps you moving. It keeps you striving for greatness. Uh, the people of the city, they want a realness. It's a results-driven city. You're not going to get by on PR. You're not going to get by on being something that's fabricated. You're going to get by on being true to who you are and being good at your craft. I love that. That's so true. Thanks for your time. Hang we in there, guys. appreciate it. Thank you. Diamond Cuts has put in her work as a DJ and respected by her DJ forefathers and foremothers. Yes, she won a Jazzy Joyce Award at Black Girls Rock. She's toured and produced for Nicki Minaj, rocked a party for President Obama, and discovered a rapper named Lil Uzi. So let's check in on her life and life in this new normal. You know what? Oh, matter of fact, my dog. This is embarrassing, okay? This, <laughs> this is, is real life. This is real life. This is what he's like right here. P.S. Based <laughs> on that echo, y'all didn't moved up since the last time I've been to the residence. Yeah, I got a whole house now. Person. I love that she said based on the echo. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, when you get it, when you have a child, you need that extra space, okay? It's true because. I had certain rooms, like don't go in mommy's pretty room or you know we eat at the island in the kitchen, not the dining room. And now my son is everywhere. I said, I'm not going to have nothing. It's not going to be nice anymore. <laughs> it's going to be his, his handprints with greasy bacon. Ain't it's nobody tell you that white room. <laughs> you got white furniture? Yes. I guess that, Diamond. I just and then the that. other thing is, Laia already called me out about this because I go to CVS on the weekends. That's my outlet. That's the only place I can be by myself. Well, <laughs> in the public. Perusing the aisles I of go CVS. down the aisle. And I, for the first time, I got him Play-Doh. And I'm uh-huh. like, good, this will occupy him. And I was like, oh, this is why I never got you played over before. <laughs> yeah, because it, it ends up on the floor, then it gets really hard, and you got to try to No, I made sure when we were looking for houses, I said, I don't want an ounce of carpet, especially with a child. You're just trying to keep it clean. It was really pretty at one time. I know. I know it was. The Rona did it. <laughs> Rona. I'm fine over here. How about yeah. you, Lack? You know how it is in Singletown. We good, Justin. Singletown. <laughs> Real clean. Things are clean. No one likes to show off. I'm the only one who dirt, you know. We no, no, no one likes to show off. <laughs> oh gosh. Cut it out. So let's get into this though, Diamond. How is life amid uh, Rona? Just trying to stay creative and not be depressed. Cause in the beginning I was depressed. I'm like, oh my God, like what's going on? You wake up every day, and you're like, what's next? How long is this gonna go on? And then you just, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, it's time to get creative. It's time to think of something, something to do. Because when this is over, you still got to work and you don't want people to forget. So what are you most looking forward to when things open up again? You know, I know you wear many titles from DJ to mom, 
what can't you wait for outside of the work? Are there special places that you like to take your son? He loves staying in the house. I think that's because since he was born and even before he was born, we just always traveled. Like we traveled with him. I traveled with him when I was pregnant. Every time I went out of the city, he was with me. Every plane, every flight, we was always together. So he enjoys staying home. So I don't know what I'm going to do with him when we get out of this phase. As far as work goes, I can't wait to do like, concerts again parties clubs what do you think that looks like that's what i that's why i was depressed what's going to happen like what's really going to happen now a lot of djs have been fortunate enough to make money doing like the instagram lives and Mm -hmm. you know companies are starting to hit us up and they're like yo we want you to do an instagram live for us but as a dj our jobs are based around non-social distancing and even when it does happen how is everything going to change? Is it going to be a limited amount of people in, in the uh, venues? Are festivals even going to happen at least next year? Like, when is it going to happen? So it's a lot to think of. Luckily for me, I get money from not just DJing, but for music. So that actually music is what's been keeping me afloat. And it's a good creative outlet. Maybe it pivots how the rest of your life looks. Yeah. True. Maybe it now turns really turns into Diamond Cuts, the producer. What I've been doing, I've been doing um, mixes and I've been putting them like on my IGTV. I got, you know, I have graphics playing behind me and all of that stuff. So I've been doing that. Does your son have like a favorite type of music he likes to listen to? He likes rock and roll music. That's all. That's what he wants to listen to. I he love wants to listen. It. Yes, he loves How old rock. Is he? He's five. So and that's how did all. he get into rock and roll music? <laughs> <laughs> so he watches YouTube like a million other kids, but he loves superheroes. Like he loves Godzilla, Venom. So when they're playing with the superheroes, that's the background music. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. He's like, I yeah. feel like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> so when we listen to our songs, his favorite song is Queen, We Will Rock You. Yes, it is. That's his oh, he favorite song. He knows that song by heart. He likes hip hop too. But when we're playing our music, he was like, Mommy, I want to listen to rock and roll, rock and roll. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Can you to tell people, because a lot of people don't know what we all four know about DJ culture in Philadelphia and the origins and how many legends I and stuff. I'm so sorry, go ahead. No, you are so... You are a working mom. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, we love this it. This is real life. This Rachel is- just got her door closed. I bet you that Ryan is on that door like, Monet. <laughs> but no, I wanted you to like break down what it was like for you coming up as a DJ in Philadelphia and why it's so important and how it had to do with like your skill set. Yeah, it is. It is a big DJ town. When I first decided I wanted to DJ every day, I would go downtown and I would just play music, you know, with, the, with all the other DJs and I would go to the parks. Remember, we used to have like little basketball games little hood basketball games we used to go out there and people be DJing in the parks like on Diamond Street or wherever we was at. It was more than just playing music. Like you really had to have a skill. Like you had to scratch. You gotta know how to cut. You gotta know how to to vibe with the music, rock a party, etc. You know, my dad he used to rap back in the day. And I grew up listening and knowing up hearing stories of Cosmic Kev and Jazzy exactly. Jeff mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. like that. So when I was like, you know, this is what I wanna do, shouts to Perry P. When I said I wanted to start DJ, Perry P I used to go to Perry P house when I was a little girl. Like that him and my dad was the bestest of friends. 
I just grew up around it. I played the flute and I played the drums and all of that. But DJ, my dad was excited. Like he wore me turntables. Him and my mom were separated at the time, but I would wake up, I would open the door and I have like a crate of records at the door. And my dad would be like, you know, this is how you got to do it. You got to do this, you got to do that. He would tell me, you know, different stories. So when I had the, the opportunity to meet up with Jazzy Jeff and Cosmic Kev, they already knew just like that. Where'd yeah. your name come from? Oh, so <laughs> this is the true story. I used to be like, you know, I shine like a diamond and I cut the record and all that. But the, uh-huh. the real story was I didn't know what I wanted to name myself. And uh, we were just riding around and I looked up and I seen Diamond Street and I said, that's a nice name, Diamond. And cuts came from, of course, actually really knowing how to cut records, scratch records or whatever. So that's where Diamond Cuts came from. Who your favorite Philly DJ? Outside of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite Philly? Oh my God, I got so many. I can tell you some of my favorites. Okay, all right. Of course, Jeff, Mm. Kev, Cash Money, Fat Cat. DJ Fat Cat is the one who taught me how to blend records. He used to spend time with me and teach me the the basics of DJing. Can we talk a little bit about your perspective when it comes to people saying, oh, she's a female DJ? And what is your philosophy when people try to lead with that and just that viewpoint in general? For me... I like to just be called, I say this all the time, I like to just be called a DJ. Uh, I feel like when people say female DJ, sometimes it kind of puts you in a box. You're good with the girls, but you can't hang with the guys. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a DJ because I can play with the girls and I can play with the guys. And I can hold my own in both categories. So I just like to be called a DJ, period. Yeah. So the name of the podcast is Love and Grit because we think that's really a big part of Philadelphia's DNA. What does Love and Grit mean to you? Grit to me, you know, in terms of Philly means like just the rawness of the city. Like it's just, it's a tough city. And everybody says that about their own city, but really Philly, when people come out of Philly, you can make it anywhere. Mm. That's like, that's a fact. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So when I think of grit, I think just the rawness and the toughness of the city. And love is like the other side, because you do get love here. Do your thing, you show love, you gonna get love. So that's where I get like love and grit from. Yo, damn, I always thought your voice should be like the official like voice of the city. Cause nobody, you, <laughs> the Philly accent that resonates in you is like nobody else. I just, I love it. Like every time I hear your voice, I'm like, <sighs> Thank you, Larry, because you know, in the beginning, people were like, who, her voice is annoying. You know, you that's what Philly own. sound like. You sound like Philly. That's what I Yeah, mean. that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> young boy. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you guys for having me. And again, I'm so sorry for everybody that's listening. My son is up there. So I'm like, no, oh, you, you don't have to apologize. Time. These are the times that we're in and we wear many hats. So it is okay if we hear yeah, your child this or puppy. life. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate y'all, Rachel, Justin, Laia. Appreciate you, know, you. for having me on. So we have some good music. We have some good food. Yeah. What else do you need? A drink. <laughs> well, friends, looky here Ooh. and listen. This is a beer delivery from the Larimer that I got last night. Do you want to know what kind of beer this is? Yeah, because it looks fancy. Speedo Colada, pineapple and coconut fruit tart ale aged in Jamaican rum barrels. 
Wait a minute. Hold you on, Justin. I love that because that, so many times people say beer is an acquired taste. That right there, what you described, yum. This is like a cocktail. Let me get some, Justin. Just, just put, it through the, put it through the phone real quick. <laughs> you can get it delivered or I know, and, you can pick up. And for everybody that doesn't know, you know that like all the best breweries, they are offering delivery services, which is crazy. So while most folks can't go to the tap room of the bar, you can bring it to your house. That's what I did. Got it dropped off last night. And if your favorite spots don't have delivery, almost every craft brewer in the region is still offering takeout. Well, cheers. Guess I should have gotten some for you guys, too. I'll get it delivered next week. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. You can go to visitphilly.com and find a list of everybody who's delivering and takeout in the brewery world in our region. Slur like Justin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just on two sips. Goodbye, everybody.